0: Right, so um, that's a cup of tea. I've just about got time to uh, to drink that before I go. My alarm's just gone off. Um, it's uh, 4.35. I'm staying in an airport hotel in Manchester Airport. And only about four and a half, five hours ago, I was... Talking uh, to the the Weaver Valley, <laughs> the Weaver Valley Cycling Club. A Very nice bunch of people here um, on the occasion of their 60th
1: <coughs>
0: anniversary of their club. And uh, and now I find myself zipping up my bag and getting ready to leave this hotel room uh, because uh, I've got a, I've got a flight to Alicante. <laughs> two hours. I'm going to get on and fall fast asleep. And then when I get the other side, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get picked up, I hope, in Alicante Airport by a Trinity Racing car. I'm quite excited. Well, I made it through security um, at Manchester Airport with all its attendant woes and stresses. And I'm I'm sitting in the corner, very, very dark and secluded corner of um, Terminal 1 here at Manchester Airport. Um, I I think there's a pizzeria Um, whose lights are turned off uh, because it's way too early to even contemplate serving pizza. And um, I should welcome you all to uh, the latest edition of Never Strays Far. Um, And and start, really, I suppose, with a bit of an apology because we left you hanging slightly. I think the last podcast we recorded was part one of our odyssey through the 2013 Tour de France that was going on for so long that we were going to do it all in one episode, but then we already rambled on for well over an hour. So we left you rather hanging by saying um, we'll pick it up in a few days' time and we will wrap up uh, the remains of 2013, the 2013 Tour de France, which we most assuredly will do at some point in the future. Unfortunately, real life got in the way, and uh, David was unavoidably um, detained with things that he had to get done, and that was a couple of weeks ago. He's still got, uh, he's still got a, a week or two out of action before he rejoins us in full, but it did press pause on our project uh, slightly, and um, so we've had to have a little bit of a, a, a rethink and a rejig, and we're going to kick back into life now, um, starting with this little travelogue Odyssey and starting with me sitting in the corner of Manchester airport with a pair of headphones on and a Pret-a-Manger um, flat white, talking to myself and doing that kind of slightly self-conscious thing that I um, I always imagine radio reporters have to live with all their working lives where they um, talk to themselves, but not just talk to themselves, they actually talk to themselves out loud and with the degree of inflection that I'm talking into this microphone. <laughs> Anyway, as I've said, um, I'm going to Alicante. As I've said, I'm hoping to be picked up in a Trinity uh, team car by one of the mechanics of Trinity. I'm kind of the guest of Trinity, and the reason for that is Peter Kenyuk is uh, on a training camp at the moment in his role as DS, and has invited me out to Calpe. So, I decided to take up Pete's invitation. I'm on my way to Calpe. I'm going to see Pete later on today. I'm going to witness Pete... Not as Podcast Pete, but as DS Pete. And I'm going to mess with his head. Because I'm bringing my recording equipment as well, I'm going to fuse Podcast Pete and DS Pete. And I'm going to see what comes out the other side of that mashup. up uh, It's going to be very interesting, I think. And also, as I understand it, there's a bunch of teams in um, at Calpe at the moment. I think there are some notable Ineos riders. The Valenciana Tour is just coming to an end, I think, today. Um, and uh, a quick step are there, Sudal quick step, and Astana are there. Don't know whether Mark Cavendish is there. Anyway, I think there may be an opportunity to bring you a little bit of the flavour of Calpe. From my perspective, bring you a little bit of Pete Kenyuk and um, possibly a little bit of schlugging. I'm boarding, I need to get to the gate. <laughs>
2: Rests down, window blinds
0: open, and um, Alright, so I landed in Alicante about an hour ago or something like that. And, um, do you know, I mean, because my, my work is what it is, and I've been doing it for as long as I have been, I've taken, like anyone who works in cycling or in sport, I've taken hundreds of flights to and from... Different locations, and I can count on the fingers of almost no hands the numbers of times I've actually been met at an airport <laughs> by anyone. So I have to say, it was a massive thrill and an honour to actually be met at an airport by um, by Charlie, who's driving me at the moment in a in a well, unfortunately, slightly disappointingly, it's a it's a transporter that hasn't got the team's livery on it. I thought that was going to be like the ultimate status, actually being met by a team car with the proper stickers on the side. But nonetheless, um, we're leaving Alicante now. Charlie's one of the mechanics, one of two mechanics, uh, who's in charge of uh, keeping them on the road here at this training camp, Trinity. i have got 26 riders out here at the moment. And um, where are we heading now, Charlie? So how far are we driving?
2: Uh, so we've got about 40 minutes to go. Uh, it's about an hour over to Calpe from Alicante. Uh, So it's a nice easy drive on a Sunday.
0: We're basically following the coast, the Costa Blanca, um, which is over to the right, over our right shoulders. We've got the hills, it's kind of jagged, very dry looking hills that they've just been racing through, and the uh, Valenciana. And um, yeah, and I've hit, hit a bit of luck with the weather because it's absolutely sort of picture perfect blue skies and the temperatures rising nicely. It's a beautiful day on the Costa Blanca. And that's where we are. Tell us a little bit about um, where we're going, because it's super weird, um, Charlie. I've you know you, you've got you, you used to race a little bit, don't you? And you're kind of steeped in the in the scene. I mean, I've known about Calpe, and I've commentated on the Vuelta and seen Calpe from television pictures for years and years and years, with its kind of distinctive rocky outcrop and all that sort of thing. And I've kind of understood that. At this time of year, in January and February, it's pretty much the centre of the cycling world, it's professional cycling world, isn't it? Before later on in the year, they go to altitude. Um, but at the beginning of the year, it's Calpe, isn't it?
2: Yeah, not sure how it happened. Who decided to come here? But it's definitely where all the pro teams go these days. Um, everyone comes out here in January, February, and it's sort of—I guess—it goes quiet in March when they all leave.
0: Do you think it might have something to do with the fact that it's quite cheap? <laughs>
2: <laughs> definitely, definitely for me it is. Um, yeah. That's the main reason.
0: Very hello. Hi, how are you? I'm all right. So we stopped. Charlie, we dropped off. We stopped where did we stopped. We stopped in the middle of nowhere. Like. Yeah. Lanusia, uh, up the road from Benidorm, a bit further inland. yeah And it's like, um, it's a bike park, isn't it? So,
1: yeah. And here's Fran
0: Miller and here's Lauren. Hello, Lauren Agler. Hello. Nice to meet you. Hi, we've we
1: not met before. Lauren's a pro mountain she biker. Brilliant. told me trip. all about you. Oh, really? Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. We'll just park that there. Okay, okay, we'll just park that there. And how pro are you, Fran? Like, uh, on a scale of one to ten?
1: Lauren, about a minus 11. No. Lauren's taught me how to do a drop. Yeah, we were practicing. Have you done that one there? No, the little, the little little one, one. the
0: little one. Okay, that one. And that one,
1: that really little one, and that little, that little one.
0: Okay, yeah, that's really little. I reckon I could probably do that. (laughs) I don't know, but that one, I was just saying, there's no way on God's earth I would drop off that. I mean, just no no way.
1: But we did
0: the little one. Do you need to do that for the Cape? So the context of all of this is, Fran's here to do your training for the Cape Epic, which you're going to be doing with David.
1: Yes, I am.
0: And um, that's going to happen. How long have you got before that?
1: Forty-one days. That's all right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like and you've fif- done,
0: done a big block of work with Pete on the Isle of Man in the yeah. pissing rain and the. 50 oh, days box. into
1: my training. So, yeah, did a camp with him in the Isle of Man, doing a camp here, and then, yeah, 40 more days of work.
0: And yeah, because <laughs> Pete <laughs> sent us a WhatsApp message from your little training camp, your boot camp on the Isle of Man, where he was just sitting on a couch at the end of one long day yeah. with you, yeah. broken. Yeah. You actually broke Pete Kenyuk. Well,
1: he broke himself. He he kept picking routes that he did when he was a pro. And being like, this will take three hours. And like five hours later, we were still out there. So, yeah. <laughs> <That makes laughs> yeah.
0: Are you confident? Is it, going, is it going well? well?
1: Uh, um, Fitness-wise, yes. Technical stuff still freaks me out. Well, yeah. just technical stuff, super hard. It's like you overthink yeah. it and there's a lot to it. And you watch someone like Lauren doing it and you're like, oh, my God, it looks so easy. But Have you done the Cape Epic, Lauren? Is okay? no. no, I want to eventually. Yeah. It seems brutal but it seems really fun yeah mm-hmm. and it's
0: the technical bit important the in the cape epic i kind of yeah. assumed it just is <laughs> <owns> it yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh,
2: right.
1: really important okay <laughs> it's pretty technical totally <laughs> like you'll probably have to walk like i've seen photos of people like walking their bikes up the hill and stuff because oh. it's just so technical and steep
0: okay mm. but, that sounds yeah. old school like old school tour de france yeah. basically yeah, yeah.
1: Mm. all
0: right so um good stuff what are you doing now then more of this yeah
1: okay. yeah more of this rest for the rest of time the rest of
0: time (laughs) sounds great so uh we've left fran and lauren to um go and do another hour and a half two hours of riding mountain bikes uh, around the costa blanca and um charlie's very kindly that running me into calpe um, via Altea which is often, often features actually in the Vuelta when the, when the when the race invariably comes through here along this coastline. I think just the other day actually the Tour of Valencia passed through Altea and of the various different resorts down on this coast Charlie probably fair to say it's the prettiest isn't it the, of, of the little towns here. Yeah. It is the nicest place to stay around here. Yeah. and It's got the um the 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 landmark catholic church um, with its blue ceramic domes that's the uh, virgin of the Consol. but it's also got um a very old russian orthodox church i think it's the oldest orthodox church in all of spain and that's a story isn't it so i didn't even know i mean i guess i should have known but i didn't know that the orthodox church really was represented at all in the iberian peninsula so that's another little um little story anyway so we're not far from Calpe now Um, we're gonna park up at the hotel I'm gonna then I think I might head out and see if I can how far I can get up the rock and so I've arrived in Calpe checked into the hotel, the Hotel Diamante, quite close to the, the lake inland, the old salt marshes, residue of that, and uh, that's where a, a flock of flamingos uh, has recently come back, apparently, to inhabit. They went away for a few years and then mysteriously uh, returned, so that's all very picturesque. And now I've just taken a stroll uh, down to the harbour, um, and as I walk past, i got a slight kind of th- thrill, as a, um, a sextet of DSM riders, none of whom I recognised, I'll be perfectly honest, Um, (laughs) came uh, hurtling past me on their way, I think back to possibly the same hotel that we're staying in. (laughs) Um, Anyway, my ambition now, as I look out over the the port and I can see lots of little yachts moored up, it's a very still, really quite warm day here, quite a contrast with uh, Manchester this morning, um... But overlooking the little the little port here down in what was the old remains of the old the old town of Calpe, there's very little left of it, just one or two buildings that kind of predate the late twentieth century. But the whole thing is overshadowed by the um the Peñal de Fac or the Peñon de Fac, depending on whether you're speaking Valencian dialect or or Spanish. And um it's the big rock that sticks out into the Mediterranean here. Um, it's like a big plug of uh, uh, of rock with sheer cliff faces either side of it it's incredibly distinctive if you've ever watched the Vuelta you'll recognise it and it towers over Calpe so I've met up with Pete for the first time today since I landed and um, I'm just sitting here speaking into a microphone while him and uh, his fellow director sportif, John Mould, are planning uh, planning the, uh, the week's training. Pete's off to Turkey to go to a race fairly soon, the next couple of days, and uh, John stays here with the rest of the team, and they're just looking at the forecast. It's going to be pouring with rain, so they're trying to figure out what to do with the team.
2: With the weather, with how it is, just make the best of the situation, and we can judge it out on the road, and then plan the efforts for the, for the final day.
0: Well, that was a few hours ago. That was a few hours ago. We were sitting in a um, what's the name of that place, Pete?
2: It's called I don't know if it's called Bar Tango or just Tango, Tango. just restaurant Tango. Tango. Yeah, it's great. Um, and lovely staff, lovely people. Yeah, good food.
0: Yeah, didn't sample the food. Well, you you'd already had one. You're so random with your pizzas. That's the thing. Because mm. I you spotted me. Actually, that's quite strange, oh, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You spotted me.
2: <laughs> i'd say five weird. minutes before you knew i was there. i had no idea
0: no I had, I had no idea and i'd sat myself down i'd walked off the so like i should probably say i'm going to play you my 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 little mini documentary about my entire trip up the rock at the end of this podcast because boy is it worth hanging on to uh, hanging on for it's an incredible it's almost like david attenborough
2: um yeah you don't want to underestimate that that hike to the top of the rock
0: I don't know, and I certainly did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, I'd come back off that after a couple of hours, and I'd walk down the main seafront in Calpe. I guess, yeah, probably, yeah, it is, yeah, yeah. yeah, the main beachfront, and I'd stopped because I knew that it was roughly the rough moment when the World Cyclocross Championships were gonna come. Oh, that to makes sense. End. That's why I'd stopped on that little parapet, and I'd perched myself on, on. I the perched wall. myself there. And I'd and I'd actually opened up the little GCN app, and I'd press play, and actually this is what this is what I heard. I've got a little clip of it. I'll just play it here.
2: Ooh,
0: der Vanderpool. So that was the uh, final of the. Wow, that was close. The Cyclocross World Championship. I watched the last ooh 300 meters or something like that just up the coast from here, in another hotel, because he's done a six-hour training ride today. Tom Pidcock is with his family, uh, and they were watching as well. Just just along here, he actually, I was invited to come and join them, but I had no way of uh, coming uh, uh, to get it. Getting up the road, about 25 minutes up the road, so I just watched it here instead. And there we go. So Mathieu Van Der Poel won the cycle. <laughs> but let's not
2: let's not dwell on that. No, you we've, we've done enough cycle cross, <laughs> we, <isn't> <laughs> yeah, in the previous parts, but. The pilgrimage Camino uh, de Santiago, is it? Yeah. De Compostela? Compostela. You looked like you had finished that when you walked towards me and I was sat in tango in the restaurant eating my huge pizza. I was hobbling. (laughs) You were hobbling, sweating. (laughs) 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 You know, it looked like you'd been through a lot (laughs) with your rucksack and... (laughs) Just, you know, it's like you are hoping for people to take you in <laughs> and, you know, somewhere you could spend the night <laughs> and give give you some bread or... Refuge, <laughs> Refuge, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cr- so with that, I just <laughs> thought, let's just let him sweat it out on the wall for a bit and I was, took a few photos and, and see, if, see and if, if you spotted us. And
0: that's the weird thing that you did. You you sent, you took a ca- kind of clandestine photo of me <laughs> looking like this hobbling refugee, which I was. Um, and yeah, because you weren't prepared, were you? Jeans, wasn't boots? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all over the place um and you said and then but then but then i so and then i entered this weird world of like you said come over here because fran miller's there she'd done her you know as we as you heard earlier she'd done her at the end of her the, uh her training ride your ds colleague john mold yeah. um who who was sat there as well and i i sat down and i was party to like this thing that you do, Pete. You do this thing called uh, DSing.
2: Quite a lot now, yeah. So last year, I was I would probably class myself as a... I mean, in all sports and probably more in professional cycling, there's a lot of freelance work that goes on. Um, and I would class myself as a... We have freelance swannies, freelance yeah. mechanics, when, you know, the full-time guys can't... It's a busy um, race calendar. And I was one of them. I would go to a race and, you know, dip in, dip out. And Ian Stannard was the team manager, head yeah. sport director at Trinity Racing. And now I've taken on his role. Yeah. And I'm starting to understand this the, is the animal that it is. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Um, because it's just me and John have talked about it a lot because we come from similar backgrounds in terms of British cycling, the Olympic development program. Then we both went on to the under 23 academy. And it's, it's like you're that clown spinning plates and just hoping that one doesn't fall off <laughs> and when it does it's like oh okay, what do we do about this now because there is a lot of spinning plates but and what me and John have discussed a lot as well for this camp is ah, uh, well, for me anyway I'm really happy that I didn't spend my career in a world tour team and go straight as a DS to, as a world tour director
0: like Steve Cummings I don't yeah, know just, I'm, I'm not saying anything about steve but and also but, yeah. i mean
2: this is me talking yeah. about like my me personally yeah. because uh, and i also I, I don't know what it's like as a world tour director so this is just you know my thought process yeah it's um there's not humility and but i would say empathy involved with this job there's only so many staff yeah and we've got to do a lot of groundwork logistics organization and it never stops we do four or five hours in the car and i'm sure it doesn't for the world tour directors either but I think what this job at Trinity Racing has given me is the insight into every single moving part that's involved with running a team. I mean, like, we've got, for instance, like, like the you, stuff
0: you're dealing with this evening about like the Tour of Antalya. Which well, well
2: yeah, you do four or five hours in the car, and then straight away it's daily plan, schedule for tomorrow, organising what the mechanics have to do. We only have we have two mechanics here. One of them's going to Antalya. Yeah. So it's a case of midway through the camp organizing everything that needs to leave here to go to Antalya mm. um, and it's it's a <laughs> constant work process in your brain because you're trying to be present with the job you're doing but at the same time you've got a lot of moving parts to be on top of yeah so as soon as you finish one job it's straight onto the other but I'm and I, I'm thankful for that in yeah. a way because as a rider you have no inkling in what goes on behind organizing the camp you get Especially on the bigger teams, especially when I was a rider, it was you, you even got sent your boarding pass, and all you had to do was turn up at the airport. I don't know what it's like on other teams, but now I really understand and have a lot of admiration for the work ethic of all the staff and what goes on behind closed doors in the teams that you just don't see as a bike rider. Yeah, uh, it's incredible. Yeah, so I mean, for where I'm at in my career as a wherever it may take me and how whatever the the next five years look like. Either way, this is an incredible experience. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's hard work, but it's, you get a lot back from it as well.
0: Now listen up, because uh, without any shred of exaggeration, today the second part of my life began. You see, for the first half century plus a little bit, I have managed to live in total ignorance of this world of supplements about which I knew nothing. But this morning, just before I switched the kettle on, and just after I fed the bloody cat who'd been meowing pathetically, frankly, for half an hour, I reached for my very sleek and beautiful Athletic Greens jar, which I've placed right next to a china pot that has my tea bags in. I would start my new regime today, and I was looking forward to it. Now, frankly, unlike David, who's already a month into his AG1 life, and Pete, who's only 17 years old, is about to start his, and he's frankly still brimming with health, I have no great athletic feats left in mind. I gave up riding long distances some time ago, considering them pointless, though I do ride lots of urban miles simply to get around London, and I run, well, plod, increasingly slowly. The thing about AG1 is that it's the same recipe regardless of who you are, composed of actual food or food-sourced ingredients, as it says on the box, so it's not fake. And it'll work, whether on your immune system, your gut health, not a pretty term, but rather important, I think we can agree, and generally will make you feel well, healthy and full of life, whether you are in your late teens like Pete or your early 70s like me. So I measured out my spoonful, added the water, gave it a stir and gulped it down. It tastes, well, amazing. There's a kind of limey zing thing going on, but with overtones of chocolate and nutmeg. Now, this may not be very scientific, but instantly I felt like I'd done something good to myself. A more scientific analysis follows, but that was my impression on day one. Even my cat looked up at me with newfound awe and respect. I nodded down at him, sharing a gesture of animal vigour that we both understood. Now, if you want to join me on my new life adventure, then Athletic Greens has a special offer just for our listeners. They're throwing in a free vitamin D supplement and five travel packs with your first purchase. So to join up, just go to athleticgreens.com slash apply. We'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, assuming that I can figure out how to do that.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, that's DS. That's DS Pete talking. A Did I bit. sound like DS Pete? A little bit.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that will But it, I, almost was, it? I
0: almost felt like I was interviewing you there, like I was working for Cycling Weekly about, you know, I was going to write an article about, you know, Pete Kenyuk, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> i thought we you know i thought we moved beyond <laughs> that but it just felt like yeah but you gave some very polished. no it's, it's but interesting though, because we did yeah. the
2: um f- for the content for the launch of the team yesterday mm, yeah i did some stuff to camera a really short piece for a reel on instagram and harry the the social media guy basically is doing oh is that we, harry i met at yeah, dinner it, Lovely guy doing all okay. the videoing, yeah. putting you know, making all these the kit look I thought he was a I the rider. Was he not, right? No, not right? no, well, it was a bit of a mixed match. One usually we have a staff table and a rider's table. but okay. Luke Lamperty sat down and and then Lauren sat yeah, down. Yeah, Lauren sat so, so, yeah, I can yeah. see why he'd why yeah. think that. Yeah. he was like, Oh, that was ITVP. <laughs> <laughs> And I I felt like I don't know if the podcast listeners will remember, but Pete's picks. Of course, so it was like you know, straight into camera. Yeah, I had my hand gestures, gestures nailed. Yeah, well, I don't know if
0: you had them nailed, but you had them. You had them.
2: No, yeah, had no, no. Sorry, no. (coughs) By my standards, (laughs) by my my Pete's Picks standards, I had them nailed. And um, it was was a
0: constant battle as to whether or not. Yeah, no. To be fair, you had them nailed in the end. Yeah, but then. No sooner had you mastered Pete's pigs than you had to <laughs> you had to move on to the 360 Pete. Yeah, which was a whole different oh, it was a uh, whole different y- dimension. Yeah. Literally, well, a whole different it's, dimension, it's wasn't back. it? It's coming
2: back. Yeah, is okay. <laughs> coming back.
0: <laughs> is it? Yeah. Oh, have you had discussions about that?
2: Yeah, I have. I have. Yeah, already. Advanced it's, discussions it's happening. <laughs> this, is, we're I can't breaking say news. It's <laughs> so this year. It's this year. I wow. don't have a bike other than the one I took up Alpe d'Huez. Christ, I rode up, didn't take it up there. I literally raced up there in the Tour de France and my national chance bike, <laughs> I mean, which twice, are almost, yeah, twice, which are, you know, they're going on 10 years. I mean, one's got like not it's a frame with no chain and a, a seat post, and who cares? The other one's, it's, I think, history. Is it's history, it's history. Is at Cav's house <laughs> because something went wrong with it, and then I borrowed his specialized, but yeah, um my ambassadorship with Pinarello has ended. And I'm currently with no bike for the Tour de France, so shout out to anyone. Oh, right, any, okay. Any bike manufacturers who would be interested.
0: In in being Pete's bike sponsor for the Tour de France? For the
2: 360 cam.
0: Mate, that is worth... I don't think... I. Well, I actually think it's beyond us, and we're a media sort of Zeppelin.
2: In all fairness, I... D- <laughs> 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 exactly. I don't ride a bike much anymore but you know oh, I'll, okay. I'll try don't and, say that I know, I know I'm trying to be honest with the potential sponsors yeah, that are coming in yeah, yeah. Honest is, honesty g- is key g- <laughs> g- <laughs> this is the SP again isn't it g- I can't <laughs> <laughs> so this is it it's like you've arrived and I'm so I'm in, trying to undermine you in my role chipping away because what <laughs> chipping away because you know we're, talking, yeah. we're having a meeting tomorrow and we're going to go over values yeah and what are the values of, what Trinity? Are the values of what Trinity what are the values we want? you know it's not for us to decide we want the riders to really take responsibility of that
0: but I like this this is good Um, but yeah this is very much
2: DSP but yeah it's hard to switch isn't it
0: yeah there's John Mould signalling through the window I think he I don't know where he's I think he's he was just checking. <laughs> he's yeah. checking
2: if I was okay. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to yeah. say I'm Batman and he's Robin, but it's probably the way around <laughs> uh,
0: Yeah. Um. Um. So Pete, how? Anyway, cycling. You know, apart from cycling. Yeah. My the headline I took away from you that I didn't manage to get recorded, but I'm going to mention it now is that you've been reading a book, which that really mm. interests me.
2: Yeah, and I want to get the title right. fear I, and loathing in Las Vegas. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think
0: that's what it's called. Yeah. yeah.
2: Hunter S. Thompson. Thompson. Yeah. yeah. And what's the other book that he read? He wrote, sorry. I don't know, Pete. It's because oh, 'cause I've read I've read that as well. Last year. So anyway.
0: Describe what this kind of writing is about, what 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 Hunter S. Thompson does. I mean like <laughs> no, no, literally, because I have not read this book.
2: Well, I first came across his name when Josh Edmondson on Team Sky way back in the day. Yeah, back in the He's day. He's had his own battles post career. Yep. I think it's fair to say, which, uh, you know, a lot of riders go through and struggle with. Um, but he, uh, randomly on one training camp, showed me his suicide note. Crikey. Have you ever read that? No. It's put, It's out there. I think, I mean, mm. it, unless I'm remembering no, no. this wrong. No. But I was early, it was like mid 50s, yep. potentially. And it was really, it was, it felt, I don't know what his lifestyle was like and how his brain was working at this yeah. point, but it sounded genuine and sincere in terms of I've seen everything I want to see, I've done everything I want to do, yeah. and I'm happy to die.
0: F- F- and we're going
2: on to a different play. topic altogether now of suicide. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> we're all human. And for yeah. me, it's like, okay, if that individual. Is happy with that, mm. and his family. You know, he's not leaving anyone behind, or mm. he has no responsibilities. Then, for me, it's like, well, you're in control of your own mm. destiny, aren't you? Mm. Anyway, that's a story for that. <laughs> no, that's a
0: it is. But what? How far through this book are
2: you? Like, I am. Um, yeah, I'm. Pfft, we've made a couple of chapters left. It's only a, It's only a short book. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, basically, he's given. He's a journalist. Yeah. And he's given the job of going to Vegas with his attorney yeah which I can't quite understand how that even came about right to go and cover some um, motorsport event in Vegas brilliant and they go and hire like this red convertible and it, they they see it as discovering the American dream yeah so they just they they're in LA yeah and they fill their car full of every drug that I have never even heard of. I was reading it and Googling. <laughs> what, what, and also, bear in mind, I think it's set in the 1960s fift- S- or 50, 50s. Late 50s, early so 60s. I yeah. don't, yeah, I mean, a lot of the stuff I just had no... no it's quite a long time ago. A long time 70 ago. 70 years I mean, ago. I mean, Pete, in so, one chapter, yeah. he drops his attorney off at the the airplane steps. Yeah. For instance, you know. So <laughs> <laughs> that's how long, ago, that's how long ago it is. But anyway, they drive. Well, they drive. hold on, hold
0: on. I flew in... From Manchester Terminal One to Alicante, and I took some aerop- airplane steps this morning. So,
2: no, but you didn't drive to them in the car in your car. Oh, I see what you mean. Sorry. Yeah, so, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah and yeah. then it. it just, oh, I see what yeah, you mean. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Sorry,
0: it's a long time no, I ago. certainly didn't. It was a very different experience <laughs> yeah. for me this morning at Manchester Terminal. Uh, yeah. But yeah.
2: yeah, it's it's really interesting because my Laura, my wife, loves reading. Yeah. And I and I don't know if she un- like understood what I was trying to say to her when i was on the plane before it took off when i was halfway through this book i was like wow yeah like this is really incredible for the first time in my life i was reading without because i don't read much you see yeah um so i've never read consistently enough to enjoy a book yeah but i got to the point where and this may seem really basic for people who read all the time but for me it wasn't where i was in the story as opposed to reading the words. Oh, so mate. I didn't even realize I was reading. Oh, I was just I, in it, you know. Pete, I
0: absolutely love this. I yeah. love what you're saying. Yeah.
2: So because that's like an not an epiphany, but it was the first, you know, that's no. first, yeah, since I've yeah, I've read only a, probably I would probably say I've finished four books in my whole life.
0: No, but that's but I I absolutely love your enthusiasm for reading this, book and I what I like more than anything else is that you acknowledge or you've understood or you kind of like uh, suddenly have seen that this thing that books can do, mm-hmm. nothing else can do. Absolutely, yeah. Like Netflix, nothing else, mm-hmm. podcasts, even this one, which is a terrific podcast, I think we can all agree, but it's not going to do that to you. And no. Disappearing into a book, Um, I, I'm reading a tremendous amount at the moment. I'm just kind of churning through books and and it's mostly fiction and um, I, I, I'm absolutely bowled over that you're... Yeah. enjoying and room. i think for i'm me so pleased
2: oh, its I, I mean it's not like riding mm. a bike or, or anything else you do in life it's it in a similar way it's a consistency yeah and then it becomes easy but uh, for me not, it, does require, so, it does require practice it's not it does require it does
0: require practice it literally does and a bit of dedication yeah yeah,
2: yeah. brilliant so that's new that's <laughs> that's new <laughs> am i maturing I don't know. But no, don't no, know. no, definitely I not. I don't
0: know. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so so listen. This is the first of well, we're about to give you a bit of a traveloggy thing that's about to come. My ascent, my ascent of the rock and Calpe. That's you're about to hear that. Um, but before that, and before we sort of close this podcast off, it's worth saying that this is just the beginning of a, a series of little mini podcasts that you and me are going to do while David's absence, and you know he'll be back on. Yeah, I think he'll be back for our podcast that we're planning on recording on the 20th of February so not long before no, David's it's not far away so sort so back then um but in the meantime you're me are holding the fort and um I'm going to be I'm just going to trailing around as, as your useless shadow with a microphone and oh, I'm coming so useless. come on I'm coming at well you have to say but um I'm coming over to Antalya
2: and this is I'm excited for this this is so good I'm excited because I'm excited. you're King Slugger <laughs> <laughs> and also,
0: you? I hope to schlug a bit in Calpe. No schlugging. It's been... Well, actually, having said that, I've just had dinner with Pat McQuaid and Nico Roach.
2: Yeah, but you didn't schlug.
0: No, because I... You
2: can't.
0: You can't schlug no. them, can yeah. you, really?
2: But, I mean, Antalya, yeah. this is going to be prime territory for schlugging. Because you're going to do will. the first day in the team call. Yeah. This so is, It's, it's going it to be immense. It's going to be immense. I'm, and I'm, this is why I'm excited, because I can't wait to see... It's gonna be like your first day. Yeah. On a new I've job never that you wanted your whole life. For. I've
0: never been in a team car on a bike race ever. No. This is just, this yeah. gonna be and I'm And, and the huge. best
2: part is, I'm gonna be driving it.
0: <laughs> Are you driving? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Where am I going? Which seat am I going in? Pa- front right. What passenger seat? In yeah. the front? In the front of the car? Mm-hmm. You sure?
2: Yeah. yeah. I've got yeah, permission The mechanic it. goes in the back. Because he has all his.
0: Who would normally be in the front seat? Who uh, would have a bump bumpter? Uh, well,
2: uh, if it's a big race and you have two directors, you have one driving and the other.
0: Antalya is a big race, Pete.
2: No, sorry, I mean for the bigger teams. Okay. Um, well, in all fairness, we do have Nico Roacher. Yeah, uh, yeah. In Antalya, yeah, put him but in the back. It, I mean, it's not. <laughs> cr- <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> What's he ever done? Yeah, get back where you belong. <laughs> but it's not um, for the for the World <laughs> Tour teams. They'd they'd probably only send one director to Antalya, yeah. and. You know, for the the grand tours where it requires, it's just more workload, and it's you need to have really the driver focusing on driving and the head director focusing on just speaking on the radio. Yeah, maybe that's uh, a good yeah. idea anyway. That's a good, yeah, good yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah. So we've got so me and Nico are there um, for Trinity, but you will be in the passion seat. Fantastic on stage one. stage two,
0: we'll see because I might I might develop. I don't know. I'm not like I need to be impartial. Mm-hmm. I'm not all about Trinity yeah i mean I love, trin- right. I love Trinity. I love I like but uh, you know I might develop a real affection for Bingo sauce pals
2: what are you gonna do with that
0: go to the Bingo sauce pals people oh yeah <laughs> um or uh <laughs> <laughs> people <laughs> or I might um honor De Mars racing, you know
2: that mm. yeah, yeah. Well, I do <laughs> 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 um
0: so anyway i'm coming to I'm coming to Turkey with you, and I want to also. I want to, because I'm very interested in it, explore a little bit more about Turkish history because I've been out here in in, in, um, in southern Spain today and earlier on in the podcast, it was a tiny little footnote, but you might have noticed it, I flagged up the fact that in Altea, just down the road, there is um, Spain's oldest Eastern Orthodox Church, which led me to sort of like look at why on earth the orthodox church settled here in the first place which led me to think about the byzantine empire which led me to think about their capital city which is was constantinople and is now known as istanbul which led me to think about one of the countries i'm most interested in in the world because it's incredibly complex and important and we're going there in a few days and that's turkey so i'm going to be mate i'm going to be fully immersed in um and hopefully there's some stuff, Pete. That yeah, it's can... more than bike racing. Isn't it's it? a low, There's a load more than bike racing going on in, in Antalya. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. And
2: that's how different me and you are.
0: No, we're not.
2: No, but we're I mean, in terms I've just got of more like, time. At, to... For me, Turkey was, I didn't even realise how close it was. Oh. Remember when we were talking at the table about, because, you know, obviously with as a cyclist and a director, yeah. Yeah. it's either books, which it wasn't for me for a, a long time, and hopefully it will be now. Yeah. Um, is series because that's all you do in the evening. As a bike rider, is yeah. watch box sets and series, and yeah. the Jack Ryan series, which actually, to the Twitter people, thank you very much because I put it out there on the Twitter. Did you on the and Twitters? I always go with the most. I, I look at all the replies. Yeah, and I go with the you know whoever has the most. So Jack Ryan basically came up with like I would say ten to twelve people, maybe who said watch Jack Ryan. So I went with that, and then okay. I actually, that was good. and my even my geography is, I'm embarrassed to say, but I didn't even realize where it was on the map, and that led me then to looking into everything, and yeah, there you go, yeah, yeah. So it's <laughs> not just a bike race, is it? <laughs> it's never just what you were getting at it's with it's Luke, getting onto with Luke Lamperty. Actually. Luke Lamperty, yeah. What was I saying to Luke? You I were saying, remember. you know, you might not realize it now, but yeah. As a rider, when you go to these different countries, and but Luke knows
0: so Luke's this young American kid. No, he's not that young anymore. He's twenty. But with tw- with that Ned, I'll just say yeah.
2: like, that's probably, I don't know, eighty percent of the British population just consider Turkey as a, a all-inclusive holiday destination. Yeah, is is what I'm getting at. Yeah, and even riders and when you go and do these races, you just fly in, stay in the hotel, and fly out. Yeah. But Luke was, hes quite switched on, isn't he? Very for his age. Very as well. <laughs> he switched it's on. Really impressive. Very switched it's on. It's like it is have—it's like having a helping hand. Yeah, as a director. Yeah, because um, he's bet. so mature. Yeah, and he's got. He has How got old eyes is on Luke
0: Lamperty, by the way?
2: He's second year under twenty-three. No, third year under twenty-three this year. Um, so that'll make him—he's twenty. But his birthday is the last day of the year. Oh, so that's twenty-one.
0: Oh I'm no, there. I'm sorry, that's ridiculous. How mature he is. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah I'm embarrassed to think of twenty-year-old me. I'm embarrassed
2: uh, to think of thirty-three-year-old me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm slightly embarrassed.
0: <laughs> yeah, impressive, impressive. Um, so let me leave you, Pete. I'll see you in Turkey, right? In a couple. You of will. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to leave you, dear podcast listeners, with um with my, my attempt. Well, no, successful attempt. It wasn't an attempt, it was a, it was it was literally an assault <laughs> on the rock in Calpe and how it came about. And this this is this is my journey up there. I mean for those of you who know Edinburgh, it's a bit of a stretch this but bear with me. This is a bit this is a bit like Arthur's seat. Only um slightly more Mediterranean and a bit steeper and a lot more sunny, sorry Edinburgh, respect and all that, but it's true, it's actually really hot now, it's Sunday in Spain, and uh, the weather's been pretty bad for the last week, so I think the locals and the tourists, and there are plenty of both, are actually enjoying uh, the fact that it's a, uh, it's a glorious day, and there are families of young kids skipping up here without a care in the world, people running up it, for heaven's sake, and me uh, lugging my podcast equipment up it. But enjoying the views I've just stopped to look out towards the east and uh, if you look at where Calpe is situated on the coast on a map you'll see that from this rocky promontory looking out towards the east you can just see uninterrupted Mediterranean for miles and miles and miles. I've just paused in the shadow of the rock, so I guess I'm I'm just due north of it because it's sort of midday, just past midday, and the sun is due south, and um, so to my left, the the, the rock just towers up vertically almost, and um, ahead of me, uh, I can see a couple of gulls just perched on the rocks, just having a little word with themselves and each other. One of them's just flown off. The other one isn't too bothered, and below me, a couple of of hundred feet below me Um, the waves such as there are really but it's such a still day are just lapping on this rocky pebbly beach far far below me and the water is that kind of shade of Mediterranean turquoise um, that you have to be reminded of if you come from the British Isles because uh, I mean I guess I guess I don't know my own geography well enough but I guess if you go up to I've always been led to believe the far north of I was going to get dive bombed there um uh, the, the Hebrides in the far north of Scotland you get waters of this color I think I'm just not familiar with them it's that kind of extraordinarily bright beautiful Mediterranean uh, and and I don't know it's incredibly tempting just to be when you look at a view like this and I'm all on my own apart from these gulls which I've got my eye on by the way because I don't trust them When you're all on your own faced with a view like this, it's actually quite um, tempting to get lulled into a false sense of security about the amount of planet we've got left unspoiled and the condition it's in because it just looks intensely beautiful and as if nothing has ever gone wrong. Anyway, onwards and upwards. I think I'm only about a quarter of the way up. just remembered when I was about 12 going on this outward bound summer holiday in North Wales to Snowdonia with a teacher I was really fond of actually, a really a great French teacher called Tom, Mr. Risebra, who was a, a lovely bloke but also just a little bit of a psychopath in the nicest possible way to a certain extent and I remember him taking taking us all up, um, you know the, has anyone heard of the, you know the crib goch? Approach to Snowden, the, the horseshoe ridge with its um, incredibly steep, sort of like almost the back of a dinosaur. Uh, I remember just this chain of like 11, 12 year old kids just cowering in their cagoules from millets and crawling on all fours along this, uh, along this ridge um, with kind of like vertical drops either side. And there we were no hives, no helmets, no health and safety simpler times simpler times and then a couple of days later we were climbing that. i think it's the second highest peak in snowden i think it's not only called trifan oh, i've got but i've got the words all horribly mangled here it's a long time ago and uh we got to the top and the top is like something from lord of the rings it's got these two vertical rocks that stand side by side this bit of the podcast has got nothing to do with calpe or cycling sorry about that um and uh, they're called Adam and Eve. And there's a kind of six foot gap between them, I think, as far as I remember. And if you're really hard, and they stand right on top of this very jagged summit, you jump between them, obviously risking death. None of us did that. Even Mr. Rysborough, uh drew drew the line at that. But we were standing there, we were sitting there, exhausted from this yomp up this mountain, eating our sandwiches back in the day, probably, dairy Lee or even marmite and lettuce sandwiches that my mum used to make for me. It's weird, isn't it? Um, But yeah, so there we were on the top of Trifan eating our lunch, where we noticed a uh, mountain rescue helicopter coming up, coming up the side of the mountain, up ever closer to the summit, and then lowering a winch down with a paramedic, and we noticed that a rock climber, who'd been going up the sheer face of Trifan, had fallen a little earlier. And we watched on as this intricate rescue was effected. She survived. She survived as far as I remember, but she'd fallen 100 feet and broken her back. And uh, like I say, I was only 11 or 12, and it it was on the news at 10 that night. And uh, it reminded me of the first time in my life where I saw something, A, that had made the news, and B, that was real and kind of terrifying. A lot of the time I don't really understand Spanish. Well, no, most of the time, <laughs> practically always. What am I saying? 99.999% of the time I don't really understand Spanish. Except when we were with Fran and Lauren at the uh, mountain bike park. Shortly after we stopped, pressed, a uh, pressed stop on the recording. A mountain biker was chased by a great big Alsatian that belonged to a couple of uh, Spanish ladies walking their dog on a Sunday. And this great big Alsatian went barking after this. And it's one of those situations where even I could understand that the old ladies to whom the Alsatian belonged were blaming the mountain biker for agitating their dog.
2: He's only playing.
0: That kind of, I could kind of get the gist of that, what she was saying. Um, but no, it's a frustration of mine, you know, I speak... My Germans, my Germans, well, not as fluent as it was, but still pretty fluent And my French is okay. Um, and I can get a few words of Italian out, but... Very jealous of my many colleagues, Rob Hatch, who has a wonderful mastery of Spanish. Matt Rendell, similarly, from his experiences in Spain and in South America, and even Daniel uh, Freib, who I think I'm not maligning him, but a few years ago spoke perfect Italian, but not that much Spanish. And I think over the years he's he's kind of like grappled with Spanish, and now is. In total command of that to add to his armoury as well—it's impressive. It's impressive. Cycling journalism, yeah. And the demise of and modern languages in 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 the British uh, education system is just profoundly depressing, isn't it? I this whole argument of well, is it strictly necessary because the whole world speaks English? It's only valid to a certain point. Well, the point it misses is that it really doesn't matter. As far as I'm concerned, it doesn't matter which language you acquire as a second language, but most of the population of the world is bilingual or even trilingual. And we're not. Um, I think the process of acquiring a second language, regardless of how, in inverted commas, useful it is, is fundamental to... Our interaction with our fellow travellers and the way we perceive otherness. Uh, sorry, this is getting quite deep, isn't it? But I'm about three quarters of the way up now. But you know what I mean, don't you? It's, and we just say, we just think to ourselves, well, no, we don't need that. We don't need that. Simultaneously, in taking that decision, as a country, which we have, by and large, they wouldn't admit it, but we have. It's withering on a vine. Simultaneously with that we're just denying our young people life experiences which enrich the lives of so many others across the world right hard up against the the sheer limestone cliff face now we're about to go into a tunnel that was that was drilled through it we can walk through you know what is otherwise totally inaccessible edifice, except for people who are really good at rock climbing, and I'm not. Uh, it's amazing, just looking up above us, and you can see how, when you really look at the detail of, the, of the, what looks like just a kind of barren rock face, there are loads and loads of little bird's nests, and little signs that it's teeming with life. And there is a sign at the side of the pathway that says, um, "Don't, don't climb these rocks, because they are used by rock climbers. Don't climb them between the months of April and June because they're home to multiple species of nesting seabirds. Beautiful. Heading into the tunnel there. It's very narrow, quite steep, and very dark. Hola. This really isn't Arthur's seat. Uh, it's still quite a long way to go to the top and through the tunnel. But as soon as you get through the tunnel, it gets really quite alarming. They're, from time to time, they've 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 got these chains <coughs> um, drilled into the wall, and you have to use them. Otherwise, you, there's nothing to kind of grip onto, and uh, there's there's just a sheer drop into the sea as you make your way up to the top. Um, and to compound, uh, quite a little I'm enjoying this at the moment, I've only just realised that the pair of Dr Martens that I'm wearing, the sole of the famous airwear soles, without me noticing it, just by using them day after day, month after month in London, have worn down to a polished surface without any tread, akin only to the polished surface of the limestone rocks over which I'm climbing. Here I am. Was it 330 meters above sea level? Oh, That's much harder than I thought it was going to be. Out of the seat. Oh, it's definitely worth it though. All the while we've been climbing on the kind of like um, northern and eastern side of the rock, and only in the last 20 meters or so, very steeply towards the top, do to you <clears throat> climb, climb to a point where you can actually see due west and south so west along the coast towards Benidorm which you can just see the tower blocks in the distance and the series of headlands that roll off these uh, mountains into the, the Mediterranean jagged and quite barren but obviously also heavily built up um, with all the, the resorts here it's just it's incredible incredible view and at times absolutely terrifying Never Strays Far have been proud to present to you this podcast under the umbrella of Never Strays Far. It's a Never Strays Far production in association with Never Strays Far, brought to you exclusively by Never Strays Far.